Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Canon with Mr. Howard Wood, co-founder and U.S. sales manager at Canamera. Howard, thanks for coming in, buddy. How you doing? Hey, Justin, doing great. I want to say thank you. You know, really looking forward to this episode, and uh, you know, this is a great opportunity to to really highlight what's going on in in our world in our particular discipline, and, and I just really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. No, I appreciate you coming in and taking the time. Look, folks, Howard must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed or got robbed before coming here. The reason I say that, this guy went to Texas A&M and is not wearing his ring or something with A&M logo plastered all over. (laughs) So I got to say, like, you know, it's unless it's plastered all over his underwear. But he did say he has a Montreal Alouettes Johnny Manziel jersey. Howard, do you know what the Alouette, do you even know what an Alouette is? I've heard great things. <laughs> Is that the right answer? I, uh, There's no right answer. I have answer, no right. idea, yeah. So why don't yeah. you uh, rock the A&M ring, man? That's so abnormal. You know, you, you called it straight out. I, uh, I guess I could turn my briefcase around for you and, and show you a little bit of paraphernalia. But uh, <laughs> Nice. My, uh, my car was broken into my truck here about uh, six years ago, and my ring was in my bag. And no way. My passport, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's somewhere around Houston, I'm sure. What? Yeah. So that's crazy because I would have never guessed. I just thought you were that modest that you didn't want to go around touting it. But I'm sorry to hear that. So is your passport and everything valuable? Obviously got jacked out of your truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, got everything back. Just uh, maybe it's time to order another ring. Wow. Would A&M give you another one or how did you have to go about doing that? You know, if anybody at the Association of Former Students is listening, I'd love to receive another ring for free. If not, I'll, I guess I'll go up there and uh, happily pay for it. Well, we'll certainly try and help you out. Yeah. Anything we can do at OGGN. If we have someone connected to A&M that can help Howie here get a ring, that would be fantastic. So are you are you a Johnny Manziel fan? Oh, who couldn't be? Right. I mean, holy cow. Those were great times with him, right? Yeah. Some it, pretty explosive football and some great stories on and off the field. And, you know, we, we loved him so much, we even sent him north to spend a little bit of time with you guys. <laughs> we love him. Honestly, when Johnny Manziel went up to the CFL, all my buddies were just stoked. Like, they couldn't believe it. They're like, you know, first it was Ricky Williams. We're like, yeah, come up here. You know, he can smoke some dope up here. And then the next thing you got Johnny Manziel, God knows what he's doing up there, but he's playing for the Montreal alouettes yeah so that's pretty cool and to answer your question and even or actually to answer my question growing up in canada i didn't even know what an alouette was so i had to google it because i didn't want to talk about it and pretend like i knew what it was so apparently french colonists ate horned larks which they considered a game bird alouette informs the lark that the singer will pluck its head nose eyes wings and tail so I don't know, you probably haven't heard the song, but it goes, Alouette, gentil, alouette, alouette, gentil, plumere. I wasn't listening to that on the way over here. <laughs> and to be honest with you, that wasn't even my first guess of what it was. Uh, right, but if you look at the emblem, it's a bird. So, okay. But if you're not a CFL fan, which I'd be surprised if you're not, because everyone should be a CFL fan, uh, you probably watch the NFL, but that's cool too. Yeah, I'll become a fan after Sunday. How about that? Nice, okay, perfect. Well, look, is it just... And, and this, again, another random thing I noticed this morning. Is it me or is there a lot more Teslas on the road? Have you noticed that? There's a few of them. I uh, parked by two of them, ironically, today. I swear, last year, driving to work, I might see one. Now, 
leaving Katy and like that area, I see at least four or five, like even before I leave Katy. So it's, there's something going on there. I don't know, but it was just something I noticed. Well, again, if anybody from Tesla is listening and, you know, here's the plug. If, uh, if they want to donate to, to the cause, we'll be happy to provide feedback, you know, right. work out any bugs. I'm happy to provide those services. Two guys in the oil field that would be willing to support Tesla. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Why not? Mm-hmm. Hey, we could, whatever. It doesn't matter. We'll do it. We'll do it all. Well, anyways, let's, let's get things started here. Howard, before we get going, tell us a little bit of the backstory before life in the oil field. Okay. You know... Typical small town Texas uh, background, right? Okay. Which small town? Brownwood, Texas. Okay. If, if you take a, a picture of the map of Texas and you put your finger right in the middle of it, you're going to hit my hometown. You okay. can't get any more central than this. Wow. You know, it was a big deal when Walmart came into town. We were real happy and, and quite honored. But uh, <laughs> nice. Brownwood's known as a uh, football town. Uh, seven state championships under Gordon Wood and, uh, and a deep, deep legacy of football traditions there. You know, I, I kind of took a, I've always been okay at sports, but I knew I was not going to get a scholarship, right? Okay. So, uh, well, so, it's it's good that you recognize that instead pursuing the dream and just completely flunked it. Yeah, no, no, that and uh, modeling was off the table. Okay. So uh, I thought I'd learn how to sell, but you know, Brownwood is, is an incredible town. Deer hunting is fantastic. All, all wildlife sports and, and hunting is fantastic, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was nothing to leave school at three o'clock and, and be dove hunting or or doing some fun outdoor stuff by 3.30. It was, you know, small town, easy access, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, cool. you know, like uh, like most people, the big city and, and the, the allure of travel and, and moving out of a small town kind of swept over. So, you know, the options were to stay and work at some of the local factories or, or, or do your thing there. And mm-hmm. I decided to, to join the Marine Corps. And, and concurrently, I was accepted to Texas A&M. So wow. you know, those were my two tickets out of town, if you would. Wow. Well, good for you. And myself, along with everyone that's listening, thank you for your service. That's no, I, uh, highly commendable, man. So we appreciate that. No, I appreciate it. It was a good time. Cool. How long were you in the Marines for? I uh, did right at eight years. Okay. Yeah, what would you? So. What, what were you doing in there? Mostly administrative type duties and, and some of the stuff like that. I went concurrently to Texas A&M. So, you know, I had that ability to continue my education and then... Uh, do the training and, and fulfill my obligations to uh, to the military during that time. And then about 2003, you know, there's a, a character out in the Middle East and uh, caused the need for a lot of us to be activated for service a, abroad and all that. So okay. it was a fantastic time. You know, I would certainly encourage anybody who, uh, who you know, fills that need to, to definitely go out there and consider it. Wow. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. What was the biggest takeaway from being in the Marine Corps? I know, I know talking to guys and know people that have, have done that service, it really helps build them. It helps kind of provide some fundamentals and build a foundation for who they are today. I mean, what, what do you think was the biggest takeaway from being in the Marine Corps? You know, that's a great question. Really, you learn so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they really break you down and they, they bring you up where everybody's on the same playing field. Whatever the case may be, it's all camaraderie. It's all unity. It's it's working as a team, right? And and that's the valuable thing. There's no I, right? You know, honestly, the the biggest thing there is just like our industry today, just like being at Texas A and M, it's the people. I mean, I've, I've served along with some really really incredible men and women, and you know, some of the best that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. this country has to offer. So it's wow. just a great experience. Plus, you get to see a little bit of the world and, and have a little bit of fun while you're at it, right? Absolutely. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of people that you served with? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think I want to bring up any of those stories today, but uh, <laughs> we get together a couple times a year and, uh, yeah. you know, 
still uh, think that we're 19 year old, 20 year old kids. And no kidding. Yeah. I actually, I had one of my uh, business partners, his name's Kyle Flowers. He served in the Marine Corps. And if you're listening, Kyle, a big shout out to you and thank you for your service. He tells me a little bit of the stories of they, they have an annual get together. And yeah, it's just a bunch of brothers get together and, and pretend like they're 19 and live to tell about it. But uh, it sounds it the, the more I hear people talk about being in the Marine Corps, it's uh, it's such a unique experience. And I just I have to applaud anyone who's ever served in any capacity. But anyway, that's really neat. So, Howard, do you have any good stories from living and going to school in College Station? Nothing that I'd like to have on a recording. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, maybe we could do an explicit version on another podcast. Yeah, sometime. yeah. I, I charge for those. No. Uh, no, you know, Texas A&M. Have you been to the campus or any of the games? Yeah, and no. so it's funny you ask, actually. I've been to Texas A&M. But I went to the vet there. And the reason oh, okay. is because my wife's dog, when we moved to Texas, actually had cancer. And she researched the best vet in Texas. And so every two weeks, we actually drove to College Station and brought our dog to the vet. And this is a plug for Texas A&M Veterinarian School. They actually cured our dog of cancer. So our dog survived wow. cancer. Yeah, it was only supposed to live for like like a couple months. We went there. They treated her name was Heidi. She was a Bichon Shih Tzu. She ended up living for like another two years. And it was like she completely defeated the odds. I even made her a shirt that said like I beat cancer and she wore it around. It was hilarious. But yeah, that's the only reason (laughs) I've actually went to Texas A&M. But I'd love to go watch a football game. Oh, We'd love to have you. It's uh, you know, the campus is amazing. The 12th man, the alumni, the the students on uh, campus themselves, the energy. Holy cow. I mean, this this place is just explosive. There's nothing better, in, in my opinion, than a Saturday at Kyle Field, especially when the Aggies are winning. But for sure. I mean, just the 12th man, the, the stadium getting into it, The uh, it's just truly a, a magical, high-energy, awesome place to be. And it doesn't just stop there at Kyle Field. When you, when you get out to the baseball games, the basketball games, volleyball, you know, I have three daughters, and I take them to the volleyball games quite frequently. Cool. It's just high energy and great people, and it, it's just a lot of fun. It's such a camaraderie. You know what I mean? I just love it. Like, back home, you, you see it a little bit, but down here, it's just insane, like, it's like someone was telling me if, if they're on the side of the road and you have a Texas and A&M sticker on your truck or something, if that person was from Texas A&M driving by, like they would automatically stop and help you out regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Longhorns would throw stuff at you. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess you, and you have a lot of those people from LSU would probably try and drive you over. I mean, there'd be a lot of unfortunate events happening if it wasn't from A&M. But no, I appreciate the story on, on A&M, Howard. It sounds like everyone else that I've talked to, it was a great experience. So, Howard, out of college, what did you end up doing once you graduated? My first opportunity was with Cameron International, formerly Cameron Wellhead, based out of Rock Springs, Wyoming. Have you been there? I've been to, we have a warehouse in just north of Denver, just after you you cross a state line. I don't know, it's, it's... Cheyenne, Wyoming. Cheyenne, that's okay. it. That's yeah. as far north as I've been. Yeah, we had some wells out there in Weld, uh, Weld County. So yeah. anyway, yeah, haven't been to Rock Springs. Okay, well, Cheyenne's great. Stay there. You're having a great time. Yeah, no, it, it was a blast. There was nothing in, <laughs> nothing to do, but it was a great time. Yeah, no, it, it is a great opportunity at that time. You know, when when I got up there, rig count just surged up on the Pinedale Anacline and yeah. out uh, east of town. And, you know, we, we, we took full immersion straight into oil field operations, working on rig floors, installing equipment, landing and hanging off casing strings, et cetera. It was just, it was really a really great opportunity to get some valuable education there at the rig level, right? 
So it was fantastic. After that, I had an opportunity to, you know, spend some time and some curiosity looking at into the uh, the drilling world of, of the business, not just surface. And uh, had an opportunity with uh, Reed Hyclog, and the particular discipline within their portfolio was coring services. And, you know, like most people, I didn't know exactly what that was at that time. But had the interview with a really, really great team and a, a good group of people and, you know, really immerse myself into the coring world and, and understand, you know, what exactly is coring. Right. What the, the, the drive or the need for the service is and, and, and really just how to impact the high core quality that these customers want. So it was a great opportunity. Okay. Let's actually stop there. And I'd like to sort of touch on that. Would you mind describing to the listeners what coring is and where it sort of brings value or, or why companies would do it? Assuming no one has any idea what coring even heard or had never heard of it. No, and, and that's a great question. So coring or whole core acquisition is a physical sampling and, and recovery of formation. So, you know, I'll, I'll pick on West Texas right now. Obviously, it's a yeah, it's a, one of the big boys out there. But a lot of people, a lot of operators are focused on really understanding, let's say, the third bone springs, the transitions into the Wolf Camp and, and other members of the Wolf Camp formation. There's no technology out there. You have formation, imaging, et cetera, but there's nothing that really produces the factual data of what the formation is, permeability, porosity, rock density, et cetera, unless you get a tangible rock back to surface so that we can conduct analysis on it. Okay. Yeah. So so basically you go in with a tool while you're drilling and you actually drill a certain interval and you retrieve that rock almost looking like a cylinder out of the hole. Is that correct? Correct. So, you know, I'll, I'll pick on a, a big part of the market is an eight and three quarter hole size. Right. We'll trip in with a, a set of tubulars that house aluminum. And the, the purpose of the aluminum is to house and protect the core from drilling fluids, uh, vibration, etc. Right. So in an eight and three quarter hole, we'll cut a four inch diameter core by 30 foot, 60 foot, 90 foot traditionally. Wow. Uh, recover that core back to surface. And, you know, depending on the interval and how many feet an operator wanted to capture, we'd go back in for another runs or subsequent runs or, or terminate it once we're done, right? So does it come out in like a 90 foot section or do you cut it as it's coming out of the hole? Traditionally, 90 foot sections. And, you know, sometimes we do 120 and, and 140. Uh, excuse me, 150. And then uh, once we brought it back to surface, we'd break it down in 30 foot increments. Okay. Lay it off to the side of location and, and the core analysis company would begin uh, recovering the core, wiping it off, marking, cutting, capping it, you know, preparing it for transportation. I got you. So yeah. there's probably a pretty strict process on, you know, with logistics, handling it, making sure it doesn't get damaged. Because I would assume that you want the core to be in its best condition right from coming out of the hole to where it gets to the lab right like you don't want it jacked around with too much right no it, it you it's spot on you know these operators and 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 our customer base spend a significant financial obligation and time obligation to capture the science it's sure. a very strategic part of their understanding of the formations and the value that their uh, their formations possess it's our obligation us and and the other service companies that are working on this particular project to get that core in the highest pristine, highest quality, and really take care of it as we transport it back to the labs for further analysis. Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a very sensitive subject and and practice. Sounds like it. So, all right, let's sort of circle back. So, you, you had your experience. It was with Reed, you said. Yes, sir. That? Okay. So, what happened after that, and then how did you end up uh, founding Canamera? So, in two thousand eight, National Oil Well had acquired Reed Hike Log and. 
I had the opportunity to accept European sales manager based out of Aberdeen. That's a sexy title, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. I think <laughs> the, so. The card got twice as big. It was <laughs> a big title, right? Did your uh, head get that big? Yeah, come on now. Yeah, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Aberdeen, Scotland, absolutely incredible place. That's cool. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome culture, awesome time, you know, and, and obviously with, with the North, Shore, uh, North Sea activity, it's just fantastic. Wow. Tell us a little bit about your experience over there. That must have been pretty, pretty cool. So, no, it was fantastic. Uh, my family came along with us and uh, we spent about two years. And, you know, what was really awesome about it, it was about the time that the unconventional resources were really taken off in continental Europe. So nice. Poland had the Silurian shell. Germany was really starting to emerge uh, more so than what it is. Romania, Bulgaria, etc. You know, the, the Paris Basin on the eastern side of uh, of uh, Paris. Really, the emergent shells or unconventional uh, plays really came into focus there. So it was quite a bit of time outside of Scotland. I, I was flying quite a bit, and we were working with operators to figure out how we could conduct science on these early plays and, and really understand what the potential that was there is. Very so. cool. Wow. So after your time overseas, at what point did you end up starting Canamera with your partners? So Canamera is five and a half years old. And, you know, this was one of my mentors and and a very good gentleman that I've been friends with for a long time. He he came to me one day and said, hey, I have a few ideas on, on how we could uh, maybe add some value and, and change the game in the coring world. And, you know, when someone asks you to invest all your money and let's go at something, you know, you, you want to sit back and say, whoa, all right, all right, well you know, everything started making sense. Let's do it. You know, sure. Why not? Yeah. So we, uh, we had a few ideas that, that were differentiators. We put everything together and, and we came to market with the first four inch OD jam mitigation system. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. What, what yeah. really brought Canamera now to, to the market share that we have in the, the customer base was this technology. So when you're coring and you're turning right and you're, you're feeding core into the barrel, if you hit a natural fracture or or something that uh, that pushes back on you a little bit, the core barrel has a tendency to jam, and it's unfortunate. We have to stop rotating, mm-hmm. come up off bottom, and trip out. And that's that adds a lot of time and de- like a lot of downtime and a lot of money for operators, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So you're it's, automatically saving money on, on being able to to uh, mitigate it, mitigate that, yeah, and, and continue coring. Right. And the real benefit, I, I know it doesn't seem like a big thing, but if we can maintain the four inch outside diameter of that core and, and keep the larger core core OD that allows operators to do further science on top of the things I listed earlier, the permeability, permeability, porosity, grain density. Now they can do their, uh, scow, their special core analysis, et cetera. So the value of that four inch diameter core is certainly there. Wow. But the other thing it allowed us to do is not only save trips and, and reduce the cost of capturing science, it also improved HSE because we weren't seeing and experiencing as many trips as we traditionally had. We were able to stay on bottom longer. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, early on at Reed Hikelog, a standard core run was 60 foot, 90 foot, uh, 120, 150 was, was pretty extreme. Today, we're averaging 360 foot runs. We finished a well last year in South Texas where we took 520 foot of uh, core in one run. And I mean, these were just huge time savings. No kidding. And, and there's a lot of pre-planning in there too. We knew that the rock was strong enough and suitable enough for these types of runs. We wouldn't cause or inflict damage on the core. It just really fed together quite nicely. It was a, it was a superb run. And wow. So what, and what was the purpose for retrieving that much volume? I mean, that seems like a, like a 
that's a big core. It's I've a lot. Heard of that. Yeah, that's a huge core. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the the operator wanted to capture everything from the Austin Chalk into the transition zone into the Eagleford, and then all the way through to the Buda. Ah. And you know, traditionally, an application like that at ninety foot runs, you're talking about five or six runs, and a day and a half, two days per run. You're talking about a ten day application. We are able to achieve that and high quality core, which is number one. Really in under about three days. Wow. Were you able to attach a dollar value to how much you saved by applying that technology in in application? No, absolutely. At at the end of the run, we went back to the operator and and presented, you know, the hours that we think we saved and they agreed. And it was somewhere north of uh, $180,000, $200,000 just in rig time. If you look at the overall package, it's probably closer to maybe $400,000 if we had to go with traditional 90-foot barrels. So there's significant savings for him. Wow. Well, good for you, man. A big uh, pat on the back on that. That's a huge feather in your hat. No, the operator did a great job drilling the well. The uh, the rock cooperated quite nicely. And, you know, we had the easy part, right? Yeah. No, the stars aligned and away you went. Yeah. No, that that's pretty cool. So, Howard, has there been any advancements, let's say, over the last five or six years till now and then going forward? What can operators expect are there, is there any innovation or anything new that, that's coming in down the pipeline for Corey? Yeah, there's a couple of fronts. The first foremost is is we're pushing four and a half inch diameter core. I mentioned earlier that the larger the core, the, the four inch diameter core is paramount for some of the analysis. We're now delivering four and a half inch or have the capability to deliver four and a half inch just to give more sample for the analysis. Cool. The new market that we're, we're really moving into in the space that we're, we're gaining traction in is uh, high frequency sensors embedded into our coring platform so that we can capture geomechanics at the bit during the coring process. Interesting. Absolutely. So Canamera, the company, what else? So if people are looking at what does Canamera offer? Like, is it full service or what exactly do you guys cover? What's your scope of work, ideally? No, a- absolutely. So when an operator says, hey, we're, we're thinking about this project, we take care of everything from there. Okay. Uh, it's their obligation to, to drill us a great, uh, as straight a hole as we can get, really work on the mud system, which, you know, that's where we get the opportunity to work with you guys. Once they get down to core point and we're ready to go, we'll pick up everything from the core bit, all the BHA, all the components that, uh, that's required to capture a high-quality core, and that's our responsibility. Gotcha. Well, hey, look, I want to take a quick break. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, good or bad. And actually, I wanted to read a couple of reviews. I was fortunate enough to get, I only actually had one episode on iTunes, and I already had a few uh, reviews that I'd like to read here. First one, titled, Stoked, eh? By KTXKF, they say, I know nothing about oil and gas, but deal with a large number of clients on a daily basis who work in the industry, so I'm excited for this journey. Thanks, KTX. Another one here brought to you by President of Canada, which I had to kind of laugh because there's no such thing, but whatever. says, way to go, Justin. Our world needs more enlightened, positive conversations surrounding oil and gas production. Looking forward to listening and learning about your perspective. Thanks, President of Canada. And it's probably not Trudeau, but if it is, thank you, Trudeau. Moving on. All right, Howard. So nowadays, I mean, you you obviously are a co-founder, so you have a lot riding on your shoulders. Do you have any daily routines or habits that keep you focused and motivated to just keep grinding away at what you do? 
No, absolutely. You know, we, we're very appreciative of these operators, and many of them have become quite close friends. They put a lot of trust that we're going to deliver and, and execute what we say and present that we're going to do. You know, really taking care of your team and, and encouraging the people within our own organization to do their best. And, and really, when times get tough and, and there's problems on the rigs, like there often are, you know, that's where we dig deep and we really try to be a, a key piece of the solution. Right. We have a tremendous team here in our organization that, that puts the customer's needs first. And, and really for me as, uh, as the, the sales manager, that's what's important. We have to take care of the customers. We have to keep everything as close to AFE as we possibly can and, and really can continue executing until the job's done. Very good. So it sounds like you have a pretty good culture over there at Canamera. No, absolutely. Culture's uh, a big piece that makes every business a success, right? Absolutely. So Howard, you obviously keep yourself busy with running a company. What what do you do for fun? I know you got three girls, so they keep your head spinning. You know, so what? I mean, what do you do for fun? What do you do to disconnect from the everyday grind? You know, being a father is the uh, the disconnection. I travel quite a bit. You know, I have a fantastic wife, and she's a part time uh, teacher at a at a school up in Conroe. Awesome. When we're done, I mean, we we really try to focus on being the best father and 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 couple that we can be we're we're involved with all the typical activities and sports we try to get outdoors as much as we can you know deer season's just finished up and uh we spent several nights up at the deer lease just having fun and being out in nature and that's you know that's a big piece of our family the summertime you know we're at the lake as much as we possibly can be cool well it sounds like you lead by example and it's a good example Howard, if people want to know more about yourself or Canamera, where can they reach out to you? No, excellent question. Check us out on LinkedIn. Obviously, our website, CanameraCoring.com. And uh, we're always available 24-7 and and willing and and able and definitely interested in working. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. You heard it here first, folks. Canamera, please reach out to Howard for all your coring needs. And let's, uh, let's take some time now for our sponsor giveaway. Our sponsor is Tendeka. They're known for their innovation in advanced completions and production optimization. And speaking of innovation, how cool is this? A mini portable projector for all you techies out there. It's a goody mini LEG projector, perfect for home theater, boardroom, office, and pocket video, which supports HDMI, smartphone, PC, or laptop, USB, for movie and games. For a chance to win, head over to www.tendeca.com front slash podcast giveaway. And Tandeka's spelt T-E-N-D-E-K-A. Are you interested in one of the best oil field happy hours in Houston? Come hang out with me and the rest of the OGGN group every last Tuesday of the month. Come out and enjoy a cold beer, some food, and the opportunity to network with other professionals in oil and gas. Visit www.oilandgasglobalnetwork.com front slash events. If you're looking to find out more information on the podcast or any other events, visit www.oilandgasonshore.com. All right, and that's a wrap, everybody. And always remember, keep calm and drill on, folks. Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil and Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. 